The Rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast is presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Sign up for DraftKings Sportsbook by using promo code RTRS. Brought to you by Cornblow and Cornblow, the official law firm of the process. Big Barker, therapeutic dog beds. Get yours at bigbarker.com slash Ricky. LL Pavorsky Jewelers, where rights to Ricky Sanchez go and get engaged. And Stateside Urban Craft Vodka, the official sponsor of the Corner 3 newsletter with Zoe, which comes out tomorrow and statesidevodka.com. On the show today, tonight, me, along with our guest, Dan Devine, Yahoo's own. We'll hear from Dan. Spike is working, and the Sixers won. Sixers will keep winning a couple games. They have seemingly locked up the three seed or higher, and we will address whether or not I am back. Uh, the Stateside Vodka... Dan, I don't know if you've ever had a stateside vodka, but it's very good. They make them in these little uh, little cans, little like thin, slender cans. They're mm. delicious. I recommend them. They're all over. They're blowing up. Get Surfside Iced Tea and Vodka, Peach Tea and Vodka, Lemonade Tea and Vodka, and Lemonade Vodka at statesidevodka.com. You can order stateside vodka, Surfside Vodka, and stateside vodka sodas from anywhere at statesidevodka.com, but you must be 21 to drink. Without any further ado, Amos and the Chef. Welcome to the Rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast. I'm Mike Levin, alongside one of the sweetest boys on basketball <laughs> internet. Universally seen as this, by the way. This isn't my opinion. This is fact. Dan Devine of Yahoo Sports. Dan, hello. How are you? I'm doing great, Mike. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, it's, uh, I'm glad to get to talk to you after a win, because honestly, mm. the first note that I have on my little note sheet that I took to be a good sweet boy is uh, I need like a TikTok, uh, like running li- like diary of how back Mike is in this game. Like, sure. you know, like are, 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 what, what is your back levels at different points of it? Yeah. The, I, I, the, the New York times needle. Yes. The needle is what, well, yeah, we were thinking the, the New York times needle of, of how back I am. Well, so they beat the wizards a couple of days ago. We didn't do a podcast after that game, but prior to that game on this podcast, I said, if they beat the wizards and B-ball plays well, and Jaden Springer plays a minute, I will be back. And so that did all that all did happen. I didn't expect really any of those to happen. Um, and Jaden Springer did look good. Uh, and we'll we will get to that on a on a future podcast. Um, but we'll get we'll get to the we'll get to the levels of backness. I want to hear what you have to say first. The Sixers beat the Cavs. Um, a relatively the Sixers have a way of making the other team look when the other team is on a back to back, the second night of a back to back, the Sixers always <laughs> generously play to their level. Right. Uh, the Sixers had two days off. They looked like they had never played together before. 
Uh, and Bede came to play and everybody else kind of sluggishly got there until Harden and Maxi got got warmed up and a couple other guys. Um, your thoughts generally about the game, but the, uh, a, a game that that mattered a lot as far as the tiebreaker and also just standings generally. Yeah, I think the biggest thing was you if you have like when you t- it's sometimes hard to tell people or to get to show people what the impact Embiid can have defensively is right everybody understands the jumpers and you know when he bulldozes his way to the rim and that kind of stuff but when you say but also he's when he's locked in he's like one of the best defenders in the world what does that look like well it looks like you drive at me I stop your drive and then you dump the ball off to the guy I just left behind and oh I stop him too and I do that like four times and a half and uh it was like there was a point where it felt almost like the goal was to show everybody that he was good enough to do it all himself, mm-hmm. which is not a great goal to have a second <laughs> night of a back to back against a team that like is in the playoff race, but also is without their starting center. You'd like to have ideally things move more easily than that. But um, he was he was incredible. And. It was like, you know, like a season in microcosm, like the offense. There were points where the half court offense was just the only thing stopping Philly was Philly. And then you're like, well, why are they losing early in the second half, second quarter? If that is true, if I just saw them score every time they got a shot off, how are they losing? And then when is Embiid going to come back in to fix everything? Oh, he did fix everything. Oh, OK, great. Um, and so I, it, my my main thought was like, Oh my God, you guys go through this all the time. Like, <laughs> like I'm going through this possession by possession for a particular purpose tonight. And you guys, God, I, I, I mean, I can see why it's frustrating. And I can also see why at the end of it, you're like, oh, but we have that guy. And that is, uh, that sort of solves all problems. Yeah, it is ultimately that. I like that you got to live the life of a Sixers podcaster for uh, <laughs> for a night. That's, that's very fun for you. Yeah, I mean, it, it was one of these games where Embiid just showed, you're, to your point, like, all the time. It's well, if Embiid, when, Embiid, when Embiid locks in the playoffs, like he's just the man. Like he's, you're not going to score against him. He's going to clean up the clean up the glass. Like he's going to do it all. But it hasn't happened for a lot of the season defensively. He's been like he'll he'll deter at the end of the games. He'll he'll like lock in on certain matchups or whatever. But we haven't really seen it. And this was to me one of the best Embiid defensive games of the year. Um, he had a big block on uh, Isaac Okoro at the rim early on. And then a chase down block on a Coro later. Another play he later on he helps on a, a Chetty Osman drive, jumps to deter the shot. Osman drops it off to Mobley, and then second jumps and block Mobley as well. And it's just like that's just crazy stuff. That's crazy stuff to that he can do both of those things. And all all game long, it was really all season long. It's really been like, why is Embiid not? like a good rebounder anymore. Right. Sort of just like, why is he deciding like he doesn't really give a shit about him? And it felt like this game, he was like, all right, I'm going to do that too. Got 18 rebounds. That was very impressive. A bunch on the offensive end as well. But he did also get into foul trouble because of that. And it felt a little bit like him going like, see, this is why I don't rebound. I don't need to rebound because I'm always around. And we'll talk about the fouls in a second. But but yeah, I thought it was interesting for, for Doc. You know, going into this game, you mentioned Jared Allen not playing. I was like, who who is... And be going to cover. Do you want him on Mobley because obviously he's uh, their best big man, or are you going to put him on a guy that's not going to be as good of a shooter, and so he can roam off of him the way that Giannis does? And it was interesting to see that he started off the game on Lamar Stevens, and he went to Okoro, and those guys were hitting threes at least a little bit to to make him pay for that. But I think ultimately, if that's your offense, then then you're probably fine with it. And and I think having Embiid free to not have to run out on shooters and just really, you know, 
protect the rim and do what he does and, and, and get and clean up the glass the way he did was was impactful tonight and he seemed really engaged from the beginning aside from a handful of very bizarre turnovers which you know it's always something right yeah you, you can't you can't all if you can't maximize the sliders on every aspect of it mm-hmm. every night right it's mm-hmm. a rob from peter to pay paul sometimes i think yeah that, that struck me pretty early i'm like oh this is kind of like a playoff game plan from doc right the, the idea that or and maybe it's it's as simple as like if you're going to give me uh, a line of credit, I'm going to take it. Like if they're you're going to start Okoro and Lamar Stevens together, both of whom find players in their own way, but like th- that provides a hiding spot for Harden and a roaming spot for Embiid. So it's like if right. you're going to give me that, I'm going to take it and I'm going to choke out your half court offense, which works great until you turn the ball over a ton. But mm-hmm. yeah, I, and the fact that Doc was you know he went. Uh, B-Ball Paul got the the, the first look um, uh, at the backup center spot in the second quarter, and then uh, that didn't go so great. And then so he went to PJ in the small ball look later on, and it's just kind of like this is you know, Doc trying to problem solve on the fly. Some of those problems are just problems, and you're not really yeah. necessarily solving them so readily uh, at this point in the season. But uh, the fact that Doc was like, we, we see a way we can attack, we see a way we can maximize what we do and kind of make them play off the back foot right away, I think bodes well for the general sense of how you need to approach these teams when uh, the, the games matter more. Yeah, it does feel a little bit like Doc um, has just learned that he can adjust and make changes <laughs> on the fly. And it's a little bit like someone like learning a new word and using that word all the time. Um, in conversation when it doesn't really even apply. And it's like, okay, um, we'll get to B-Ball because I, I have to talk about B-Ball every podcast. But just just to st- stick with Embiid, like he was just living at the nail, living at the elbow uh, all game long with the spread floor. And there's just like, there's just nothing you can do on the other end if he's hitting that shot. You, you can't help because in the, if he catches the ball in the middle of the floor, the kick out to a shooter is just so easy for him to make. Um, or it's a, te- a 12-footer. If you're just like, you get a hand up and hope he misses. Or if you crowd him too much, then he's going to get fouled uh, or, you know, dunk right by you. And I felt bad for Evan Mobley, who's a great defender and a great player. Uh, and then one time they go like, okay, we're going to front him. We're going to make it physical. We're going to get hard on him. Evan Mobley's length is going to make it tricky. And he, and he got to steal out of it. Okay, fine. And then it was like, all right, fine. Pick and roll. Him and Maxi, And 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 B gets switches, on, switches onto a small. Mobley comes over to help. Kick out to Maxi for an easy three. Like, it's just like... it. It is the offense is so simplified because of how good Embiid is as a mid-range jump shooter and as a foul drawing machine, and that's why I just keep going. Even though the even though the offense looked weird, like they turned the ball over so many times, eighteen times, and felt like more. Um, they were sloppy. They were like a little bit lazy with passes. They were. I think that they know what they know what works. That they became a little bit um, predictable sometimes, and so like you could they could step into those, but. But ultimately, like when you have Embiid, even even if there's two guys glued to him, which there were a couple times, and he had like step through finishes through that or a, a fadeaway through traffic, like uh, you know the the, the step back uh, off the glass three to beat the buzzer, like just crazy stuff. He's just he's just a wildly impressive player that is in the midst right now of a wildly impressive run for that wildly impressive player. It's just like when he's on, it's really impossible to to beat them. I I found it was delightful. That was very clearly an offensive foul. Yes. At the end there, they called it an offensive foul. He had five fouls, as we said before. It was like, uh, they could, on, on, the, on the fly, I would say, all right, that, that could have gone either way. I'd say a 50-50 call in-game. But once they called it, I was like, there is no way 
this getting this is getting overturned. And then it just felt like Adam Silver made a call and was like, keep this guy in the game. And I don't mind it. I think that it's like, are we just are we the cheaters? Like, and is that good? Like we started the season off tampering for Daniel House uh, successfully. And now we get like the commissioner calling in to say like, no, no, take that foul call back and count the bucket. I thought that was very nice. And I kind of love us being being cheaters. Your your thoughts on that play? Uh, I mean, it's, it, it's only cheating if they actually catch you. And, you know, Bobby the Brain Heenan taught me that when I was a young mm-hmm. man. And I feel like I can't mm-hmm. argue with it now. Um, the thing that I, I couldn't get over was, I think it was John Goble, right? Or, or I forget who, who actually explained the call, saying like, ah, it was marginal contact. And I was like, maybe we should ask Evan Mobley's chest how marginal <laughs> that contact was. Because I imagine there's the, it, it, it doesn't feel that way. when Joe Maybe the margins he was like referring, referring to were the, mar- the NBA's margins of how much money they want to make from this game. Right, the mar- the margins of what you know, what the the line moves to on mm-hmm. as MVP odds based on mm-hmm. the performance in the first half. Um, yeah, I mean, and and it, you're you're right to point out the the fact that you you count the bucket and it goes from 108, 101 to one ten one oh one. Like, I know it's a one extra basket, but uh, you know, the three possession game where they, the, I think, of the next trip uh, or a couple of minutes later, it was like down to three, and then you're like, oh no, wait, it's actually five, and you're like, oh man, you're right. If you're a Cleveland, that kind of changes your math and it changes your, your, your calculus a little bit, but, and especially it gets, it makes it even that much further away to grab the win when on a night, like Mitchell, you know, he was obviously messing with his finger quite a bit. Um, yeah. like didn't have a straw, super strong game until he came on late. Um, Garland had, uh, you know, kind of a rough start and battled foul trouble. And then there was that like fun kind of cat and mouse game with him and Embiid in the third P third quarter, like kind of Garland trying to find the range in the pick and roll, like when he's penetrating and when he gets him up with the pump fake, when he can kind of create space. I also thought maybe toward the end of that third and might've been getting tired a little bit, like playing the whole quarter and just needing to do everything, um, mm-hmm. you know, like allowed maybe Garland to get an extra step or two where he needed it. But yeah, it, it's the, it's the kind of thing that I feel like if you're a Cavs fan watching this, you must be like encouraged, but also really frustrated. Like you, you they, and they've had a lot of those kind of games where, like, well, we made the big run and we got back in it and we're right there one possession away. And here's very understandable reasons why we didn't win this game. Like a guy was hurt or a big call went against us or yada, yada. It's like, yeah, but if the end result of that is you're in fourth, you have a tougher a tougher first round series and you're going to have to go on the road to whoever you play in round two if you win it. And you're going to have to deal with these guys again. Like uh, a lot of the moral victories don't wind up amounting to all that much. Yeah, a little bit for Cleveland. They're in they're in a spot where like they got too good too fast. Right. And now this season is seen as like if they lost, if they get like sort of waxed in the second round, which they, they could, I mean, they could win. They, they're a really good team. They could match up wise. They could at least take Milwaukee to, to a couple. Um, it becomes a disappointment, even though like they've had a great season and they are a, a great young team. It's it's always interesting to me, like having been on the on the other side of it with the Sixers of like, how is the fun season, the first season you make the playoffs and like are are like decent? Uh, and how quickly does that fun go away once you don't like hit that next gear? And obviously, the Cleveland has a ton of ways to get better and stuff. But but I, it is. But like, Mike, Mike, I think the answer to that is that your team is what forty six and twenty two, and we're unsure if you're back. <laughs> yeah, that's you know, true. like that's like, true. Be, well, it's because we've we've just been here before, Dan. We'll 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 talk, we'll talk about whether I'm back after this message from Cornblow and Cornblow, the official lawyer of the process. We love Adam. Adam is going to be at Live Ricky 5. We would like uh, everyone's tickets are sold out, so you can't buy tickets. But if you were going to Live Ricky 5, then you will see Adam there. Um, His parents, 
built this amazing law firm and now he's running things. Uh, he knows his stuff. He's trustworthy. You're going to get the attention right from the top. If you text Adam, if you call Adam, you're going to get Adam. He's there. If you say you're a Ricky listener, especially if you're talking to somebody else that's a different Cornblow, he will hear that you're a Ricky listener and he will get on the phone and handle your stuff, whether it's personal injury or any other law legal issue. Dan, what's the worst personal injury you've had on at work? Oh, at work. I was going to say I broke my collarbone at a roller skating rink, but that was not a work Okay, function. you weren't working there. It uh, yeah. Um, panic attack? Okay. Yeah. Well, you could get you a ton of money back in panic attack. <laughs> any, any, any employer, the ringer causing panic attacks in the past. I'm not saying which employer. No one's saying which, saying which employer. No one's saying which employer. Um, Adam will help you out if you have any of those kinds of issues. I actually would be interested to see what he would say about that. Um, but he, the, the good thing about Adam is that he explains things so you can understand. That's sort of our, our whole um, sponsorship mentality is that these are real people right. that are easy to talk to, that get it, that know that like when people like us are calling, we're generally pretty stupid and we don't know anything about anything. And so Adam is really great at breaking things down for you. He'll get results. He has some advice for you if you're in an accident or you get hurt. Don't lie. Don't be a hero. Give him a call if you need a lawyer. He's got offices all over the area, but he will come to you. If you think you might have a case, give him a call. Shoot an email. Cost you nothing. 215-576-7200. Ask for Adam. Email Cornblau at Cornblau and Cornblau.com. Adam Cornblau, the official loyal of the process. Okay. I want to talk about Tyrese Maxey because I've noticed a change in Maxey uh, over the last few games since he's been inserted back in the starting lineup. He feels like he is much more aware of the role that he is playing when he's with those guys. It seems like he's not, you know, in the past it was like, I'm, what am I just standing here while Joel and James do this thing? And now it feels a little bit more when he's on the bench, he got to be like weaponized a little bit more. And now it feels like he's fine. That happy middle ground of even when I'm like spreading the floor because a Joel and James uh, offense needs the floor to be spread. You need to have shooters there. He's one of the best shooters in the team. Maxi. He feels like he is still like ready to be unleashed. Like he's a little bit, he's like on pause. You know what I'm saying? Like he's, he's all, he's out on the wing. He's not standing there doing nothing, but he's just like, like got the trigger ready to go. And as soon as the ball gets swung to him, he, he needs so little time to either get to the basket or get a, a decent shot up. And he really has just become such a great tough shot maker in a way that like the Sixers, aside from like Embiid, like just haven't had since Iverson, like guys that are capable of making difficult shots end of the shot clock, like, you know, body contorting in different ways. He's just an incredible, incredible player. And defensively, like he has been better. Like he's been noticeably better. He's been starting to pick up a full court. He's picking up uh, Darius Garland 90 feet away. Um, I like it. I respect it. Um, and just a couple bunch of big shots. He just fucking, he just, he just, he just makes every three. Five of seven of three, tough shots. What are you seeing from Tyrese Max that you're liking, Dan? Well, the, the fact that, you know, you mentioned the picking up uh, Garland full court, that, that that was another thing that seemed like a very, de, you know, determined strategy from the beginning of like, they're down, they're without their, one of their starters, they're playing a weird lineup. We think we can kind of choke them out in the half court. Let's make their guards work every inch of the court the whole way. And Maxi being like, I will take that job. You know, that is like, and actually getting through some screens too. Like, I know that's something that, that has become a, been a challenge for him and yep. a growth area and, uh, and a frustration at times that he gets hung up on him. Like the, the, the commitment to that was there tonight. And you, uh, 
what your point about Maxi as sort of like the spot up wing away from the Joel uh, James pick and roll made me think of something you were talking about earlier, which is the, 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 the power of Joel at the nail is like Garland. There was a couple times early in the, in the game, Garland like kind of like pre rotates over to Joel, like the balls on the, on the strong side and he's on the, you know, the weak side wing. He says like, I know it's coming to Joel at the nail. Let me kind of like just like flash over yeah, there. He's right. To, and yeah, it's like, it's, it's definitely going there. Mm-hmm. But the second he does that, and that's the power of Harden too. When Harden is, you know, uh, that, that able to sort of be that point guard and that's the distributor, like he sees Garland cheat and the, it's a skip pass right away to the opposite wing yeah. to Maxi, who can then catch on the drive or you know pop it right away. And so like, it, there's a, like a shock buzzer component to it. Like you're like, ah, right. If I do that, then this other bad thing's going to happen. But if I don't do that, then this really bad thing's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've like the, the third most dangerous option there is like maybe James Harden attacking mm-hmm. you. And like, that's a pretty nice place to be for the Sixers offense, which like, I think again, you know, you look at the, what Maxi brings in terms of, I, I, the, it made sense to go with Melton at the time they needed to go, you know, and, and to stick with that because it was working so well and allowing the defensive sort of uh, identity to develop. But this is the idealized version of the team. This is yeah. what the, it's the reason why you prioritize Maxi's development and keeping him around and everything. And, uh, you know, all the preseason video things about like, you know, uh, doc saying we got to get him the ball. It's not just, you know, uh, one, two, and then you're on the side. Like we have to influence you the whole way when it works. It's just devastating. And the Cavs, a really good Cleveland defense, even without, uh, Jared Allen, um, has had so much, such a hard time dealing with that and covering that full width of the floor when the three of them were out there together. Yeah, I, th- I thought Cleveland played a, a really good defensive game. They mucked it up. They got their hands in everything. Uh, I thought they rotated really well. But like those three guys just like know how to, you know, especially Joel and James get to the line. They shot 22 foul shots. They were 19 of 22 from the line. And they just hit tough shots like over and over again. The other thing with Maxi is like for years, it felt like Joel, especially when the team was without Ben, the last two years especially, it feels like Joel has to help on so many drives, has to help on so many drives, has to leave his man to help on the guard or wing who's driving. And then that just leaves the big man that Joel has left to have a tip dunk behind him. And it feels like Joel himself never got those kinds of dunks. And over the last few weeks with those three guys out there together, it feels like Maxi is so good at putting pressure on the rim because of how fast he is. He draws the defender and a big man leaves Joel Embiid right. to contest a Maxi shot. Even if and Maxi has great touch around the rim, especially for his size. But even if he misses, Joel has gotten a ton of just like easy putback dunks or at least like fouls on the offensive rebounds on those lately. It's been really nice to see. And it's, it's nice. It's like for years, it was like with Ben, it was like, can we get Joel some easy shots? And James has been so vital in that of making everything easier. And as you've seen, like now he's, Joel's averaging over 33 and a half points per game. It's nice to see that like Maxi's rim pressure is also adding that element to him. And it's, and it's nice to see that for sure. Uh, and, speaking and, of, oh, any, any source of offensive rebounds that's not PJ Tucker, like storming the beach at Normandy to get them yeah. is also like, it's nice to get an easy one of those as opposed to like the hardest possible offensive rebound uh, from the corner at every other opportunity. Yeah. What's, what's your read on PJ Tucker? Speaking of, I, I thought it was a great PJ Tucker, like 50, 50 ball game. Yes. I thought he was everywhere. He had four offensive rebounds. It was him against like four calves. He got it's and it's that's huge to get a 50, 50 balls because this team has never done it before. 
Um, he's fighting his ass off. He's everywhere. But like, he's all, I can't take the good with the good. I have to, the bad just yells at me so much when, when I see it, because he's, he's, he's only shooting from the corners. Although he did have a nice layup tonight. We'll talk about that in a bit when we get to the bench. Um, and he's good for one dumbass offensive foul call every game where he's just shoving a guy like very obviously, and then is upset about it. It's going to happen every single time. Um, it's, and then he'll also like the thing that's been my like pet fury has been PJ overhelping and allowing open threes in the corner. And it's just like, it's, I don't, I want to know, like I want, it's always really bad when, uh, in like all-star games, when they have like guys mic'd up like during the game, like as they're actively playing and like in baseball, it's a little bit more fun, but in basketball, it hasn't been good. But I do want to hear like his, I want to mic up his brain and be like, what are you thinking here? Where are you going? And where, what position in your body? Cause he's obviously a very smart defender. Obviously one-on-one is incredible, but it feels like his off ball defense is so tilted way in favor of like helping unnecessarily or like showing bodies to guys that he's, and he just never gets back. It's, it's, and he doesn't, it's not, it's not for lack of trying. It's like, he forgets that he's 37 every time he like, he's like, okay, I'm going to get back in the lane a little bit here. And then I'm going to get back to my guy. And just, there was another open three tonight that he gave up. And it's like, dude, you only shoot corner threes. Like you should know that that's not the shot that you want to be giving up. Like what, what's your, what's your read on PJ from afar? Yeah, I think I was actually, I was thinking about your, your, uh, lifelong anger at uh the overhelping mm-hmm. uh, that leads to the three or the helping in no man's land mm-hmm. um and it does seem I, it's it's felt particularly acute with that small ball lineup beginning of the fourth where it was like okay we know we don't have joel back there to protect the rim right now and that's going to be like a red carpet for uh guys to get to the basket so yeah. we need to throw more bodies at it and it kind of feels like sometimes the plan is there is no plan besides like holy shit get in front of that guy like <laughs> yeah holy shit is the plan <laughs> right. for sure um i think with tucker it's like the fact, I mean, you, the, it's, there is something to the fact that he comes out of this game. I mean, granted, it's mostly because he played with, with the starters for most of it, but like he comes out of this game plus 22 in 35 minutes and you're like, mm-hmm. well, okay, that it's picking up something. Um, and the offensive rebounding certainly helps the, you know, the fact that he was able to make a couple of extra passes, uh, you know, so, you know, sort of swing, swing sequences helps a lot. Um, him guarding Mobley and helping keep Mobley sort of un, uh, under wraps for a while or for earlier sure. in the game helps. Uh, he gives you another piece where you sort of want to muck up the matchups to you could, you, you feel pretty okay with that where you're like kind of no matter what the size of the guy in terms of on ball, just dealing with them, muscling them up, ch- chasing them around. You can like sick PJ on him. I think the, maybe the per the production overall, when you factor in like this, the non box store stuff probably isn't commensurate with what they gave him, but like, it kind of doesn't matter, right? Like yeah. all that matters is can you do those jobs in those series, in those specific matchups? And I don't think you, anyone would expect him to be as good at that at 37 as he was at 35, as he was at 33 or whatever. But um, I think he's still clearly the better, the best option of, uh, uh, you know, on, uh, sort of on the board for Philly at this point. And I think you see that. I mean, uh, it's the, the backup center thing. We don't, we don't have We're to get in there. We're okay. Getting, but like, it's, it. but, um, but it's, it's, it's not necessarily the, the the answer that you want, but uh, uh, and it, it shows some some concerning signs in terms of what the way they defend with him at the at the five there. But um, I think all broadly, like I don't know how much more you could ask for him. Yeah, just the my issues with PJ are never like they shouldn't have signed him right. or like 
they should bench him entirely. It's just like, I really like the things he gives them and the like couple very obvious things that he does wrong or is unwilling to do. I would like that he did. Like, it's it's not like, I don't want Doc to play. I do want Doc to play him a little bit less because it's the regular season. Who gives a fuck and he's a thousand years old. But I do, like, it's. I still like him. I like him out there. I, I don't think he is... I'm willing to reserve judgment on him being the best option uh, for non-Embiid minutes in the playoffs. It hasn't been good defensively in any way yeah. uh, during the season. The the numbers are are crazy tilted. They just let up a ton of points when he's out there. I thought it was, you know, B-Ball had a tough couple plays. It's four minutes. Like, I, I just, it's crazy the leash that B-Ball has. And every time Doc talks about how good B-Ball plays. And he's like, oh, he's really settling in. He's really good. The next game, B-Ball has like one or two bad moments. And Doc is like, he's gone. I'll never see him again. He's like right. dying to pull him. Every single time he's dying to pull him. He got called for a charge. There's nothing color commentators love more than asking for a jump shot, jump stop, than, than describing <laughs> what a jump stop is, than extolling the values of a jump stop. Everybody, doesn't matter if it's national or local, color commentators are all about the jump stop. Um, and it's just like, I, I think this was the wrong matchup i mean it, it look it, it worked and they won and that's great but like to not to to go to a non-center lineup with with jalen mcdaniel's hurt when it goes like tobias is playing bad pj is not a rim protector or a or a great defensive rebounder everybody else is just like i hope they i hope these shots go in and tonight they did like the offense on those pj small ball lineups has been great and good enough that it's surviving those horrendous defensive numbers, but it's really depending on a lot of step backs going in a lot of like Harden's great. We'll talk about him in a second, but like I, I would like non Embiid minutes to be able to hold up in some way defensively. And you can get that with Paul. You can, he's obviously an incredible defensive rebounder. Um, but doc is just like, even when he's saying nice things about him, he's like, I can't wait to bench him. It's his favorite thing to do. He yeah, loves you, doing it. You saw it coming as soon as the charge happened. You're like, well, that'll be the last we see of Paul Reed tonight, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it's, you know, fairly unfairly. I, I, I under, I, it, it is frustrating, especially when you see like, it's like it, you have to let him play through some of the bullshit to be able to get the positive gains out of the other side of it. But maybe Doc's point of view on that is like, those units are going to rise or fall based on whether Niang's three goes in or whether Harden hits a step back, like no matter what, like our best case scenario for those non Embiid minutes is can we spread the floor and score and hit those threes enough? And uh, it's maybe it's a little bit fatalistic or a little nihilistic, but um, that's, I think that, that is probably what's going to wind up resolving to come April and May. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's, and that's what happened tonight. It was like those, that early fourth non Embiid run when it was really just like, Harden ball, spray like spread the floor, spraying it around to shooters. Both teams were going small, and it was like, okay, we're gonna Harden's gonna seek out Howell Neto every time and light his little ass up. Um, and it, like that's what they, they won the game because of that. But like, it felt like man, they they don't have any. If these shots don't go in, like they're losing this game by a lot. Like because it was so it was so easy to uh, to score on that on that lineup. But but it was enough to be uh, to get the win. Uh, more on, I want to talk about Tobias, uh, because it was not a, not a great Tobias game, but I want to move on to, uh, uh, one of our favorite sponsors, big Barker therapeutic dog beds. Dan, do you have a dog? I do Luger, the premium boy, 10 years old. 
10 years old. How are his joints? How are Luger's joints? I'm not going to lie to you. They're not great. Okay. Well, Dan, do we have the product for you? <laughs> it is a Big Barker therapeutic dog bed. Uh, big dogs as they get older, like Luger. Um, Donovan, my, my family dog, is, is, is uh, I think he's about to be 15, 15, 14 or 15, one of them. Uh, they get older. They develop arthritis. Sleeping on those little thin beds or the floor, those are bad. It's not good for them. If you go to bigbarker.com slash Ricky, you can get your Big Barker, which is a proper mattress. It promotes enhanced energy, mobility levels. Donovan, in his older age, has been having a tough time jumping up onto the bed. But that's, you know, you can't, you can't delay father time forever, as James Harden will tell you. Uh, and in older dogs, it reduces wear and tear on younger dogs so that they can have longer lifespans in their joints. And we love joints. I'm a big joints guy myself. Uh, it's especially important in bigger dogs over 50 pounds since 80% of them will develop arthritis as they age. It is engineered by experts to keep dogs youthful for longer and brings older dogs back to their best. There's a 10-year warranty. The foam will not flatten or they will replace it for free. Look, you can try it for a full year. I love doing the ads. I start just getting louder at different parts of it. I'm just an uncontrollable volume, and I just like I hit it. Full year, 365 day home trial. If for any reason you don't like it, your dog doesn't like it, have your dog write up a review. They'll pay for UPS to bring it back for a full refund. It is handmade in the USA. Big Barker dog beds, Dan. Oh, there you go. What a treat! What a treat that was. I didn't even prep you on it beforehand. You were excited to do it. I'm a listen, I'm a fan of not just the show. I'm a fan of this, of the ads. I'm a fan of the bits. I'm a fan of barking. <laughs> Great. This all works out well for me. The only problem, the only way it wouldn't work out well for me is if Luger now comes out of the bedroom at 10:53 at night and uh, it's going to cause some issues. But we'll see about that. TV yeah. date. He wants to play. Uh, Tobias speaking out wanting to play. Tobias didn't want to play tonight. Uh, it. We were. I was so complimentary of Tobias for the first few months of this season of him looking like the guy that they've needed him to be. Maxi has stepped forward. Tobias needs to be a quick shooting, less uh, sort of bootleg Carmelo Anthony dribbling into whatever, overthinking things. He was making quick decisions. He was passing. He was getting the ball moving. He was playing downhill. And then the shots started to not fall, and then he started to not be confident in the shot. And now it feels like most games, there's still a couple games where he plays okay. And I thought the defense wasn't was fine tonight. I thought he did, you know, he did a decent job on Donovan Mitchell. I think he still gets blown by a little too easily, but I, I thought he did a fine, fine job. In fairness, though, that's guarding an all NBA yes. like point guard, which totally. is totally not- and he's willing to take on those yeah. matchups. He wants to do it. I think that I think he is is excited about those those kinds of matchups. Um but the offense, man, it doesn't look good. Um, he looks like he's thinking things slower. He's He needs so much space to get the shot off. He's just sort of, he bungles things in transition when he tries to pass. Downhill in transition, he's taking it himself. I trust him. I believe in him. But as soon as you start to like open up the idea of passing, he, that's too many things for for him to go through in that in that level of speed. Um it was a it was a very frustrating and sad more sad than frustrating game for Tobias. Um, highlighted by towards the end of the game, PJ Tucker gets one of his thousand offensive rebounds where he's like dying, bleeding on the floor, 
<laughs> kick out to Tobias. Sixers are up a couple. It's like, hey, let's just run this clock. We can run. We got another fresh fresh shot clock to to uh, run some more clock. Tobias was so open in the corner. He's like, well, I'm going to take it. And if you take it, you have to make it. You better make that shot. He did not make that shot. Um, the starting to become like the least confident shooter on the team. Uh, I'm hoping that things bounce back, but right now it's just, it's, it's bleak. Yeah. There was the, the moment, I think it was the second quarter where he's posting up Isaac Okoro and like they're, they're sort of banging and bumping Mm -hmm. and he goes into the, into the lane, doesn't get a call and he flips out and gets a technical out. And it Mm -hmm. kind of felt like, it's like, you're not, you're mad at the ref, but like, you're just, that's more like, I'm just mad. I, mm-hmm. I am like, can something fucking go right? Can, can we again, one, can I post up Isaac Okoro yeah. for the love of God <laughs> yeah. without, you know, trip finding a rake and stepping on it and, you know, losing my, my pants falling down. Can something go my way? And it's, it's so difficult because they're, I don't know. I mean, do you, do you, like they, they kind of have to just lean into it like they have to keep running them out because it's not and not just because of the salary and whatever else but like the the role that they've asked him to play like as you're saying you know the idea that you're going to be like the our harrison barnes or whatever like no one else is going to do that right like you that would be an overstretching of niang it would be i mean the it would force a dramatic reorganization of what the lineups the starting lineup or what the lineups that you're looking to to lean on are this late in the season with this roster as constructed, especially like at worst case scenario, he's like, all right, go guard, a, uh, you know, a, an elite two guard or whatever, and wait for a chance to shoot. Like there's not a whole lot of guys that can check both those boxes, even if you're checking them sort of with like a shaky hand and, you know, not all that, you know, uh, excitedly, mm-hmm. um, you just kind of have to like white knuckle it through it. And uh, I know that's not a, a new feeling, um, uh, with regards to both either Tobias or just somebody, one spot on the team where you're like, could that just stabilize? And we mm-hmm. would be much more confident. Um, but I, I, I don't know that there's a better option at the moment. No, I, and I don't think that they should like doc benched in not the wizards game, but the, one of the games before that doc, uh, didn't play Tobias for, for much of the fourth quarter in crunch time, uh, because other guys are playing well. Niang was playing well. And I, I like that, though it is sad for him, and I feel like I'm a, uh, I get a little sentimental and I'm become like too empathetic to it's like guys being sad. I do like Doc being willing to add Tobias to the list of really anybody except for Maxi or sorry, except for Harden and Embiid. If you're not playing well or somebody else is playing better than you, we're going to go with the guys that are playing the best yeah. that can give us the best chance to win at the ends of the games. And I, I like that Tobias is no longer in like an automatic he must be out there uh, because he hasn't always deserved it but i also think that like the reason why tobias even though daniel house is like a more is is like good at the things that you're asking tobias to do and tobias is better at the things that you kind of don't need daniel house to do right um i do think there's going to be a game when they're either doubling the shit out of Embiid and throwing length at him or Harden can't get anything going or Maxi's off or or everybody looks slow or whatever it is where Tobias just like has a mismatch on him like over and over again and starts and gets like, you know, nine big points in a quarter um, because he's, uh, you know, six, eight and physical um, 
and has nice touch from like pretty much all areas around the court. And so uh, I, I don't think that this is, there's nothing you can do about it now aside from like let him work through this and hope that he uh, refamiliarizes himself with the guy he was back in November, December. Um, but, you know, it's not a bad thing that Doc is willing to, and, and as far as learning new words go, uh, adjust and and play the best the best the guys that give him the best chance to win. Tobias was also a plus seventeen, and I, I don't think it was all because of in any way because of him. But like he wasn't prohibiting them from winning, also, which I think is which I think is important. I, the the bigger thing for me, and we and we can talk about the the bench in a second, but they just it's it's transition defense like over again, and over and again, again and again, yeah. And, and it's not they, they turn the ball over a lot, and they gave a bunch of uh, easy runouts, like off of like there were a couple of really bad maxi passes to Embiid, and and Donovan Mitchell intercepted one, and and Harden gave it away a couple of times, and Embiid himself always you know was due for good for like one like dribbled off his foot kind of thing, but they they score after makes like what like easily sometimes, and you're just like man, you keep telling yourself that that's going to be an an effort thing that that stabilizes in the playoffs or, you know, common like consensus is, well, you're not going to get that many transition buckets in the playoffs when, when things tighten up and everybody's locked in. But like if any team could give up transition buckets in the playoffs, it does feel like it's, <laughs> it's these Philadelphia 76ers of guys who are like a little bit like, ah, fuck it. Like so many guys in this team are a little bit like, ah, fuck it level. Right. Melton's Melton's not PJ's not, but he's not fast enough to get back on anybody. And Embiid, like two percent of the game when he like wants to fucking kill somebody, it can get back against against anybody. But everybody else, pretty much, B ball also, although when he's allowed to play, everybody else is pretty much just like, nah, all right. Yeah, the, the the when there's it's it's notable when you get beat after a make, and mm-hmm. it's like, oh, that's that doesn't happen all that often. It shouldn't happen, yeah. And then when it happens several times in a game where you're already having turnover problems, like live ball turnover problems. And you're like, well, now we're just like, it's like we're kind of cranking the difficulty up to all Madden to try to see what kind of, how we can pull ourselves out of the hole. Mm-hmm. And like, it's, we handed, it's, we handed my, this, this young baby, a, a controller and asked to beat the computer on all Madden. Uh, right. And it did, didn't work out well. Let's Watch see how this. It, let's see how it develops. Yeah. yeah. And, and for that to be just a, a, a it's, it's something that over, like over the course of the season, they've, cleaned up the, the you know they become like an average transition yeah, here and defense. there yeah but when it's bad it's glaring and oh. you can't you can't afford that like especially you, if you are pricing into the the structure of things like we are going to whip the crap out of you in embed minutes we are going to white knuckle it in the non-embed minutes and like that w- and we will be an elite defense when he's on the court and we'll sort of figure everything else out around that, then you can't just give up the cheap shit that doesn't require everybody to go through and be to get it. And some of that is like, well, it means that Harden and Maxi have to do an unglamorous job of getting back, uh, you know, after a free throw or after a make or whatever. And sometimes it's just like somebody, you know, the, the, you know, we've, we've uh, valorized uh, Tobias's willingness to take on the dirty work. It would be nice to see him take on some clean work too, but like, (laughs) Um, it just needs to be like, no matter who, like, like the, the basics of like floor balance and, and like understanding, oh, the guy that I was guarding is 30 feet that way now. Um, it's like the, the, the focus stuff that you're, it's, I I think you're right to to have the general sense of a lot for a lot of teams that it's like, we snap it in and we lock in the playoffs and that, and, and those mental mistakes or those errors of judgment are not going to happen. But 
um, that they're happening now in a game that mattered. Like, like I know Philly has sort of separated itself from Cleveland at this point, and now it's can you chase down Boston? But also that requires winning the games like this, right? And like mm-hmm. winning the tiebreaker, making sure you keep pace because I believe Boston beat Minnesota tonight. I don't have the box scores in front of me, but um, like you gotta, you can't fuck around and, and boot these games and you can't boot those possessions in the process. So um, it didn't come back to bite them tonight. It nearly did. Uh, if not for maybe some marginal contact called the other way, it might have. Um, mm-hmm. But Cheating. Uh, cheating we like. We like the cheating. Right. We're all, we're on board for cheating. John Goble mm-hmm. uh, gets... You know, whatever, I don't know, whatever uh, roast pork of choice when he comes to town. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, that, that stuff where you're looking at it and you're like, some I don't know if it's Doc or whoever. Somebody has to be like, hey, cut this shit and get back. And, and that seems like it hasn't necessarily happened uh, on a consistent level. Yeah, I like I like clean work. I like clean work as a phrase that we need that we need Tobias to be willing to do more. <laughs> um, la- last thing just about this game. Uh I thought it was an excellent Shake Milton game. Yes. And obviously it looks that way when he makes shots, but um, it's nice to to see the bench making the right pass, making the right plays. There was the, a big play at the end of the third. Uh, Melton got a rebound with like six seconds left on the, on the, on the quarter. He drove it in quickly, kicked to Shane. It was quick, kicked to Shake, swing to Niang for the corner three at the buzzer. Like that's just like effective three bench guys doing what they're supposed to do at the end of a quarter, which is, it's nice to see like executed. Um, and then a really nice, one of my favorite plays, shake drives, PJ cuts baseline. PJ almost never gets the ball when he cuts baseline. I would love if the person that is in PJ's body could catch a lob, which would make it easier for him to <laughs> get, get that any balls baseline, but he doesn't usually get it. But this time he did. Um, and he got fouled and won. It was really nice. And it's fun to see when the non they're getting so much offense out of the main three guys. The rest of the team scored a combined 31 points. Um, and Embiid, Maxi, and Harden had 36, 23, and 28. And so it's nice when other guys like set each other up. It's it's nice to see that. And then Shake hit was three for three from deep. Um, he's still not a quick shooter, but like when he has a little bit of airspace to to let it fly, um, he's still he's still pretty damn good. Um and yeah, it's a the, look, they've won. Six games in a row. They're a game behind Boston for the two seed home home court advantage against Boston in the playoffs. I would I would rather not face Boston in the playoffs uh, because we continue to get waxed by them, um, and I don't feel I don't feel any good feelings about that. I would even just from a basketball uh, interest perspective, I would I would rather see a Sixers Bucks second round series. Um, just to see what that looked like because we haven't seen that. Um, but winning games is good, and and I'm not trying to game any any playoff systems out. Uh, and I just wanted them to keep winning and playing and staying healthy and all that stuff. Um, we'll talk about Dan's thoughts on the MVP after this because this is LL Pavorsky Jewelers. Dan, you're married. I am. Where'd you go get your ring? Uh not you don't have to name it yeah uh a place in the jeweler district in boston when i was living there disgusting that you would do that in boston disgusting that you come on this podcast and say you got a ring in boston it's hideous and i'm appalled by it well i have to tell the the truth listen had i known there was an option we don't we don't we're not interested in the truth we have no interest in the truth here that's not what this podcast is about we've never stood for the truth whatsoever (laughs) ll pavorsky jewelers has been in business since 1988 
And he, like you, is the sweetest man in his field. <laughs> LL was incredibly good to me and Alyssa when we came in and looked at rings together. I have the ring that I'm that I'm wearing here, and I will be wearing forever. Um, just it, un- he did he did make it smell like him, so it just sort of rub. It's, it's sort of like an interesting thing that he does. It's like he rubs it on himself. No, he doesn't do that. But I'm super happy with it. This ring actually didn't. I don't know. I'm just going to talk about it. This ring actually didn't exist. It was like a combination of two other rings. And he was like, yeah, I can do that for you. And we combined them. We made it. And now we have it. And I like it so much. Um, I'm not a, I wasn't a ring guy before, but it, it fits nicely. He was great about that. He held my hand as he, as he measured my finger. It was great. It was a blast. I love it's a, LL. It's a real it, vulnerable moment. That's a, in it's a real nice vulnerable moment. That. Yeah. Yes. And I'm bad at most things, but especially when I don't, when I don't know, <laughs> like anything, what I'm doing at all and forced to then make a decision. I feel like generally I need to make a mistake first for me to know, oh, this was the right thing. Like, let me make one mistake and do it. And getting your wedding ring is not necessarily that time No, to have like one mistake, one quick mulligan. Um, But luckily LL was there and I didn't have to make a mistake because he was helping me through that. And it was awesome. And we're so happy. And he really is just like the the kind of like one-on-one intimate jeweler experience that you want. So if you need rings or a bracelet or a gift, birthday gift, what's the next holiday? Easter jewelry. Do we do that? Can we get a quick St. Patrick's Day jewelry in for tomorrow? Quick St. Patrick's Day jewelry. Plenty of time for that. (laughs) He can make that happen. Go visit him. Give him a call. 215-627-2252 or go to the office. Uh, go to the store, rather, 707 Walnut in Philadelphia. Um, he's a pleasant guy to deal with. I really, I mean it. He's been our first sponsor. He was our first sponsor. He sponsored us when we were doing this for free. And he donates to our charities, Providence Animal Center and Mama T's Community for its LL. We love you. Thank you for sponsoring the podcast. Okay, Dan. Dan, 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 Dan. All right, here we go. The most valuable player award is typically awarded to the most valuable player at the end of the season. Um, for the last two seasons, it's been, I don't know why I'm setting this up so much like this. I didn't write this down. I'm just going to keep going. Uh, before the game per DraftKings, which is a sponsor of the podcast, Jokic was down to plus 115 and beat at plus 140, Giannis at plus 300. Um, Sixers Adam tweeted something about the, the line's changing the odds changing during the game but oh, i haven't wow. seen that so we're we're pretty much at a toss-up space right now and other, the other important thing before we get to your thoughts it was confirmed by the sixers i think it was the sixers twitter account or instagram um that the little things that Embiid has been unwrapping and putting in his mouth during the game like as he comes out of huddles are green jolly ranchers and other people have been have speculated that's what it was and i i pretty much denied that that could even possibly be the case because it seems so dangerous yes to be eating a very hard famously hard candy <laughs> to be sucking on a famously hard candy during the game uh it seems like a choking hazard i don't love it but as far as a level of difficulty that he's doing all this stuff in the fact that he could choke at any minute is even more impressive um dan what are your you know we like you here You've done some things in the past that that we maybe don't necessarily agree with. Um, But where 
are where are you right now on on the MVP? Uh, so first thing, I don't know for sure if I'm going to have a vote this year. We find that out like late in the process, so I don't know oh, yet. Interesting. Um, is that is that is that common? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I the the way it has worked for me, like the first, uh, I got one and did not know it was happening. Like it was. I think the first time I had one for like a real one was the pandemic season, the, the first one. So it was like I had written a, co- a bunch of columns that were like, if the season ends today, who wins this award? Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, I don't have a vote, but here's who I would vote for if I did. And then like during the intervening period, they were like, so we're coming back and you do have a vote. I who like, said? Oh. I want to know the mechanics of that, if you don't mind. Who? Sure. Do, do you get a call? Do you get an email? What's what's who called? Who is? Is there an NBA PR like yeah, alerting you like you yes. now have the vote? Uh, like, would you be willing to do it? Yes. We, we, wow. you know, and yeah, but yes, that's NBA M- PR did it. And, um, so since that point, it was like that. And then for all-star again, like, uh, would you be willing to do it? If you, you know, if we, you know, we were looking to fill out the roster, uh, we're rounding at the end of the bench. Would you like to join it? Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and so you say all-star like, fill in kind of thing. Yep. And you say, uh, yeah, I'm an idiot and a glutton for punishment. Sure. I would love to do that. <laughs> uh, and mm-hmm. then you just keep doing that uh, again and again. So I don't know for sure if that's going to happen this year. Um, I, I know everyone's insane right now and feeling very crazy about this. I've really tried hard to not get ahead of myself in terms of like, here's my ballot as of this date, here's my whatever, because I, I, I know I'm going to have to go nuts about it and like, look at all the information and try to make my decision at the last moment. So if you, if you wind up being like the part, I understand the premise of like the straw poll thing where it's like let's take a snapshot of where people are at but sure. if you if, knowing if you, there's 25 50 whatever games left of, yeah of the season for that to change but when you I, i'm kind of at the point where i'm like i feel like if i lock in up like this is what i think now and i lock it in, and then like it's like you're judging everything against your prior decision yeah. and that's trying, why i haven't filled out my uh, tournament bracket yet because <laughs> i, I want to make sure i have all the information i have to find out who won the arizona state nevada game tonight but yes i understand that feeling and so, uh, especially now, because it's so, it's be- the, 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 the tenor around it has become so like, so highly pitched and so, so na- so like negative and nasty. I, I feel like I don't, I I've been like, I'm, I'm putting this off. I am putting this off on like procrastinating, like it's a term paper mm-hmm. uh, until I have to, uh, that said, um, I don't, I feel, I've also felt pretty weird in terms of where I fit into this overall conversation. Cause every, like the biggest thing has been like, you can't fucking give Jokic three MVPs in a row. And I'm like, I voted for Giannis last year. So I don't like, I, I and, it, and it was like, because I thought when I looked at all of it, like the margins were so small and I thought Giannis is the best guy of the three. So I voted for him. And I remember Zach coming on the show and being like, I kind of feel like if you voted for Giannis, it was like, you just didn't want to make a pick between either two guys. And I get, uh, sure, that's fine. I didn't feel that way. I, I felt like Giannis was the best guy by the end of last season. And so it's like, if I didn't vote to give Jokic three straight MVPs, but I have to like bear the brunt of other people's votes last year on that. Is that a reasonable thing for me to have to consider? I guess all of it is reasonable to consider. It's, I don't know if, if, where, where it kind of leaves you in making yeah. a big decision. But like, so if I said to you, if I said to you, mm-hmm. I ended up with, I ended up uh, Giannis Embiid Jokic this year, that obviously wouldn't be satisfactory, but it could be, def- but it would, would you consider that like a defensible way of viewing it? Like best guy on the best team in the league? versus, uh, you know, number one score uh, and a better defender than Jokic. Like, it, it, there's a lot of ways to kind of slice it up, but I'm wondering, like, I don't know that, it, they, I think the, thing, the, re, the way you come back to it is like, 
there just is no right answer. I guess unless you're on a podcast that is about one particular team and then the right answer should be obvious. Mm. Feels like you're talking about me there. Uh, or maybe what I should have just done and, and pandered and been like, no, no, no. Well, yeah, we like pandering Philadelphia, very famously a fan of pandering, but, uh, you mentioned that, wait, okay. So you mentioned that you're gonna have to dive into the numbers and dive into the tape and stuff. What's that, what's that look like for you? End of the season, you've now had two or three, three voting, uh, end of awards things. Like what is, what is like diving into the data and looking at it? And you've been watching presumably, I know you have a ton of basketball as the season's gone on. What is the like, okay, now, now to make my decision, what does that look like? Yeah. I mean, so some of it is the kind of, uh, the looking at the, the advanced numbers that kind of catch the games that I didn't see all of, you know, like I'm, I, I watch a lot of basketball, but I don't watch every game of every player. And so got to take your kids to the dentist several times, multiple times. Oh, God damn it. Um, but, uh, yeah, so there's like, there is a sense of, I, you know, you look at the, just the, the general box score stats, you look at where guys rank in relation to one another, you look at on off numbers and what that means and what your not just what the on off is, but like what specifically your on is because on off can be gamed a little bit by who your reserve or your backups are. And if, you know, you have a terrible backup center that's going to inflate your numbers or that kind of thing. Familiar, familiar, uh, but also not, not an uncommon tale because that also happens in Denver. Right. Mm -hmm. And so like, um, you try to gauge, you, and then you, yeah, you look at the all-in-one stuff that some people love and some people hate. You look at uh, efficiency numbers. You look at win-loss record. You look at which team had the better winning percentage when that guy actually played. You look at some head-to-head stuff. You know, I, I don't know. I, I try to, I try to be a, a kind of omnivorous in that conversation of like, what are you seeing with your own eyes? What are you hearing from other people? What are you reading and listening to? What are the stats telling you? And then like at the end of that, if you've kind of collated all that information, like there is a big nerdy spreadsheet, there's a thousand goddamn tabs, there's a bunch of different conversations. And then at the end of that, what do you kind of, like, when it gets down to what's, what do you say in your gut? Like, what is the, can I defend what I think? What do I really think? And so that was why like two years ago, it was like, I think I got to the point where I thought after going through all that, Jokic was, the, was, was a defensible pick for me. Um, and then last year when I got to the end of it, I was like, I think Giannis is just the best guy. And so I went with that Mm -hmm. and I don't know where that's going to lead me this year. If in fact, if if it even has to lead me anywhere, we'll find out. Um, but I think the idea, the, the, the recent kind of like pushback and say like, well, you can't have made your choice three months ago. I'm like, yeah, no shit. Like who, who, like if anybody who did that, I think isn't doing their job Mm -hmm. because the job is to try to take in as much information and make the most informed decision you can. Um, I guess, do you feel like you get an answer? I think you, I, no, I mean, I think it's like, it's, you get to where you get to before the it's pencils down. And I don't know, I don't know that there's right in any of it. Um, How much does, does like context factor in? Like, for example, last year, Embiid, had to carry his team to uh, survival with a 30 some million dollar dead weight Ben Simmons not showing up to work mm-hmm. and led the league in scoring in the process and still finished the f- fourth seed, I think. Um, does that does that factor into you? Do, do those do those, does the like 
general team, what's going on in the league context work? Or is it more just like, here's what's happening on the court. Here's what the numbers are telling me. Here's what they do head to head, that kind of thing. It does. It just, uh, the thing is that it, it cuts other ways too, right? Because the argument for, uh, and be doing it with, you know, no Simmons on the roster. It also cuts toward Jokic doing it with no Murray and no, um, yeah. no Michael Porter Jr. Right. And the relative dif- distance between the overall team quality of a fourth seeded Sixers team and a six seeded Nuggets team where their net ratings were about the same. And the, you know, the, what, how they performed with Jokic on versus how they uh, performed with Embiid on and all that kind of stuff are pretty close and equivalent. Like, and then at the end of that, you say, both of those guys maybe had a better argument in that sense than Giannis because Giannis did have Drew and Chris Middleton for most of it. But th- there was still the massive differentiator of like when he was on the court versus when when they were on the court without him versus when he was on the court. And that like that's what made them special. It was not necessarily just the context of the, the, the those other guys as a supporting cast members. It was what he did and what he enabled the, the, the rest of the offense to look at, what he enabled the rest of the defense to look like felt to me like a pretty powerful differentiator but that i think that's the, the the goal i assume of having what 100 or 100 some odd people voting is that i get to that point and say like i thought about this in the different the the, the context of this team versus the context of this team versus the context of this team the league writ large the individual production all those sorts of things and i come to this decision and the idea that 100 people are going to see it the exact same way i think is I think the hope is that that's not going to happen. Yeah, there is a broader conversation to be had for sure about whether the you know the composition of the electorate is such that it's, that's happening too much, and maybe that's true. I, don't, I mean, I I feel like I'm in a position where I can't necessarily speak for anyone else's vote on that, and whether or not like the degree to which everybody reads and listens to Zach means that everybody thinks the same. I, I don't I don't know. All I know is like I I, I mean. I'd be lying if I said we, I didn't look at similar things to what he looks at. Yeah, I don't. I'd, I am sure he takes in a whole lot of other discussions and information that I'm not having, and that I'm talking and having different conversations and reading and listening to different things than he is too. And so, you try to make the most informed decision that you can on it, and that context is certainly part of it. Yeah, I've I've said a number of times on this podcast that like you can look at the two of them, or if you want to include include Giannis, the three of them. And there is no magic statistic or magic one game or series of games or record wise, because they're all very close. Now, the Sixers currently have a better record than the Nuggets right now. Right. Um, That is going to tell you it's definitely this guy this season or when these three guys are healthy and playing at this level. And for like in a world where it's a toss up. I've said this before. I've said it too many times. It just shouldn't be the same the, guy. No, the, the, the fairness doctrine. I definitely understand that. But okay. So, so in that in that framework, right? Yeah. So this year, if we get to the you know April 9th, and this you know the Bucks are a fifty nine or sixty win team with mm-hmm. the best net rating in the league. Giannis is at whatever thirty one, twelve and six or whatever. Yeah. Um, and th- there is a very clean, like best player on best team case for him. That would not necessarily uh, hew to the fairness doctrine, though, right? Because then it's still one, a couple guys are getting a lot of them, and the other guy isn't. No, I mean, it, it, I think there's a difference between Giannis hasn't gotten in a couple of years. If it ends up being that, then that's kind of fine. I think it was a little weird that like. 
Tatum wasn't getting that um, leeway when he was the best player on the best team. Right. Um, and I don't think that's always been the case. I think it's a little bit of a borderline cop out. Just just of like, well, I don't want to make the decision. I, I just feel like the reason why I would have Embiid over Jokic is because Embiid is a far superior defensive player than Jokic. And he is, even though Jokic is the better offensive player, Embiid is leading the league in points. Like, the thing that Embiid is worse at than Jokic, he is the best at in the league. So I think it, if you want to have one of those guys, if you pick one of those guys to be better, that's fine. But between the two of them, I think pretty clearly Embiid is the better defensive player and the gap on offense is not nearly as big as the gap on defense. And Jokic has already won two, so then I would give it to Embiid. And then for Giannis, I, I don't know that Giannis is the best defender on his team. I, Brooke Lopez is an, is a stunningly good basketball player right. at, at this stage and makes things so much easier on Giannis than they would if it was somebody else. And maybe the numbers can dig in and you can say like Giannis, the, the Bucks hold up just as well when it's Giannis and Bobby Portis. But like also Drew Holiday is one of the best defensive players. So like I look at that and I go offensively, the the defensively, Joel has to do more than Giannis does because Giannis has the the warm blanket of both Drew Holiday up top and Brooke Lopez down low so he can just sort of fr- sort of play safety and free range and have his, have his fun there. And offensively like Embiid does so many more things than Giannis does. The things that Giannis does, he does incredibly well. He is nearly impossible to stop. There are like three players in the league that can stop Giannis. I include Joel Embiid as one of those players. That's why I really want to see that playoff matchup. And it's just like Giannis already had one. Jokic had two. Like, just fucking give it to him. Like, it's just a little bit like, guys, everybody's trying to, like, outthink everybody. And it really just boils down to, like, I don't know. It's fucking toss-up. Give it to the guy that hasn't had it before, right? Like, I've said that so many times. And it feels like if if someone else was doing that, if someone in Denver, if the roles were reversed and Embiid was going to win his third MVP and someone in Denver said exactly what I'm saying, Philadelphia would lean on that person so hard of calling them, like, you fucking, like, kindergarten teacher, little bitch, like, all that stuff, like, it's I understand that, but like it is people looking for one answer like there isn't there just isn't. And they all I said this in the last podcast, like you look back 20, 20 years from now, 50 years from now. You're going to be like, oh, Giannis and Jokic were clearly the two best players. And like it just wasn't the case. Like it's just not the case. And if you spread it out more and give it to the guy that like has a really good story himself, I, I think the. Not speaking on you individually, but like the the like common consensus, what like culturally we discuss about like this player story and what and and why they are what they are like has a real impact on these MVP conversations. And I, mm-hmm. I think some people don't want to admit that they do because they're like it's either what's happening on the floor or, or either I watch the games or I look at the numbers or almost always a combination of both. Um, and it's and this is what it is. But like the fact that Jokic was a second round pick. Like that, that Matt, people were more excited to vote for them. And the fact that Giannis was a skinny guy from like a second division in Greece, like that gets people more excited to vote for him. And Embiid's story is like a great singular story. And Giannis didn't have the playoff success that he later had when he won his MVP. And Jokic hasn't had that much playoff success. And Embiid obviously hasn't had that much playoff success. Um, So that's like less of an issue here. I just feel, I just feel like, it all, it all should be lining up for Embiid. He's he's a two-way superstar. Um, 
he has cut down on the whatever people want to say of like his juvenile behavior, which is like certainly childish in some ways, but like fun and, and not certainly like, you know, what John Morant has been doing, which by the way, the John Morant interview playing during the game tonight was extremely bizarre. We don't talk too much about it, but I thought that was very odd. Like, Hey, Harden is scoring as, as we're cutting to essentially a, a, a preview for a, for an interview. I thought that was odd, but I just feel like Embiid's the guy. He deserves he deserves credit for being as, you know, he's had the playoff success hasn't been there because of the injuries, but it hasn't been an injury like, oh, he just can't get healthy because his foot doesn't hold up or his back doesn't hold up or whatever. It's been like either really bad duties or getting elbowed by Pascal Siakam in the face or Marco Fultz's shoulder. Those are like the main injuries that kept him from being fully healthy in the playoffs. And I, I, obviously we all hope that it happens this year and he's healthy and everybody can just go in and we can see how far he can get. But it, it just feels like it's time and everybody trying to outthink themselves into finding the one like jewel of an answer that gives it to somebody else. It's just like there's you're not going to be rewarded by anything. Just just share the love, share the ball. That's what we want to see. Basketball is the beautiful game. The Spurs share the ball, Dan. So would you say that Joel taking 38 nail jumpers is the beautiful game? Yes. Um, yes. <laughs> it's pretty damn beautiful when it goes in. That's um, right. I would say this. I think that Joel has, you're absolutely right. The story component, like it feel we are far enough away from it that it's now like, oh, this guy lost like the first two years of his career to injury and dramatic, like family trauma in that yep. time. And yep. there, there's a, uh, the sense of like, is this guy ever going to be, uh, turn into anything, let alone what the, you know, the, the organization hoped. And, and then for him to outstrip that yes, by, by any measure is in, you're absolutely right. That's an incredible story. Onto the way to leading the league and scoring two years in a row. Um, and, and sort of, and to, in some degree, like redefining what a center offensively can be in this league. Obviously there was another guy redefining what a center could be. Sure, for sure. Well, and he was properly time. rewarded for that. And he was rewarded for that. Um, what I would say is I think that the sentiment that this has been over and, and a wrap for three months while, I, I mean, that may be, that may have been true in the eyes of some, it's not the way I ever looked at it. It's not the way that I have looked at it. Um, and it I feels like you were it, you were building to saying that Embiid's your MVP. It feels like I, I could hear in your voice that you were like you were convinced and you were telling the story and I, the family tragedy and all that stuff and the injuries. I feel like the, you were the music swelling. I was in swelling background. in my mind. Yeah. I was swelling for it to be you. No, that's Look, just, that's that, that's just the Oscar. Uh, the the them telling you they had to come off the stage <laughs> they away from the mic. But what right. what all, what I would say is if you need to construct an argument and construct a case, the last month or so i mean obviously yeah. basically what the last three months but like specifically the way that Embiid has turned it on the last you since know the all, since the all-star break since yeah. the all-star Incredible. break really is absolutely nuts and the fact that you've got one team where the arrow is pointing up and the other team where the arrow is pointing down setting aside the honest of it all i think that it's if he is he has he has put himself and he has put the sixers in position to where anybody who might have previously made an argument that this was a you know open and shut case uh should probably not shut it and open it up again i like to hear that dan Thank you for coming on. Uh, thank you for coming on when the Sixers won. This would have been a different situation had they not. I do think I, th I think it's unfair for me to say whether or not I'm back without Spike being here. So I think I will hold I will hold that off for for him to 
uh, prod and diagnose. Um, and if they lose between now and that other podcast, then uh, that's his fault for not being here. All bets are off. I need to say two things. Yes. One is, I think you're back. Two is, mm-hmm. uh, it is an absolute pleasure to be here. Um, I would be remiss if I did not mention that I had previously been here with my friends, John Gonzalez and Haley O'Shaughnessy, That's right. who uh, we all love very much. And uh, Gans uh, uh, asked me to ask you about Disney World and uh, also about Disneyland. getting- Sorry, Disneyland. That's right, at Los Angeles. Um, and uh, and to to mention something about a, a Celtics buzzer beater at your wedding. Yes, they did lose. There's there is a voicemail of of the long. Let's see if I can do it quickly. We had a a instead of a photo booth, we thought there's this like phone company that you can have like a we got a, a Kelly Green Eagles phone um, that you can le- basically your guests can leave a message for you later on. And so we oh, got a okay. bunch of drunk messages from our, yeah. our loved ones. <laughs> your, your, your loud, your loudest friends screaming. From our loudest friends. And one of the messages, yeah. one of the messages is John Gonzalez, uh, doing play by play for the Celtics <laughs> loss that ended in the Tatum buzzer beater. And so he, we watched, we listened to it knowing that the game, they lost it, but obviously John at the time didn't, he was doing it live. And so it was pretty, uh, wet fart way to end it. Um, <laughs> But, uh, but yeah, that was very good. Dan, you are, uh, starting a Yahoo is Yahoo NBA is starting a podcast. Can you talk about it for us, please? I would love to. So actually that's three things I had to say. The third yes. thing I had to say is this, otherwise I get fired. Um, so yeah, uh, before the, when we, we first knew one another was when I was working at a blog called ball don't lie for yes, Yahoo sir. sports. Um, uh, one of the more august blogs, if that's a thing that you can say. Um, people like J.E. Skeets and Trey Kirby of the No Dunks and Kelly Dwyer, Eric Freeman, uh, wonderfully talented people that I was able to work alongside there. People, I guess, still like the name Ball Don't Lie, uh, and there's still some association with it. And so when Yahoo wanted to make an NBA podcast feed, uh, they decided to call it that. And so it is very funny that like 13 years later, I am working at Ball Don't Lie again. <laughs> um, but we are launching a podcast uh, Monday, March 20th. It's going to start with two shows on that Ball Don't Lie feed. First one is Good Word with Vinny Goodwill, um, senior oh, nice. NBA senior NBA reporter. Uh, fantastic dude. Really, really smart. Really funny. He's a great writer. Great and a writer. great writer. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, one of the best national columnists in the world, I think. And uh, so he will have his own show. It'll go up on Monday uh, and will be beginning of the week. And then the end of the week is uh, me and Jake Fisher, senior NBA reporter. Oh, and, uh, Philly formerly LibertyBallers.com. Formerly, yeah, exactly. We 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 we've dug deep into the blog rolls for this. Um, yes. But uh, Jake and I will be doing a show called No Cap Room, and uh, we will be doing a lot. I mean, Vinny Vinny's going to have a lot of sort of interviews and guests and stuff, and Jake and I will probably be I'll be yelling at Jake about the things that he's reported and not reported, and we will be playing little games and making jokes and stuff like that. Um, and that will come at the end of the week. So Thursday, I believe Thursday for Friday is the idea for that, but. We are launching at the Ball Don't Lie podcast feed. You can subscribe on Apple, on Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your shows, wherever you're listening to us here. Um, and uh, that all launches on Monday, March 20th. So we're excited about it. I'm terrified. I'm terrified about uh, doing so much more talking than I'm, I'm familiar with. But uh, I appreciate you both giving me the opportunity to plug it and also the opportunity to get my training wheels off yes. in terms of talking on a mic, talking in a, a basketball podcast form for an extended period of time again. That's right. Without the tyranny of John Gonzalez hanging over you. <laughs> uh, Dan, thank you so much. Follow Dan at your man divine on Twitter. And uh, we will all have a live podcast from outside Dan's house if he doesn't vote for Joel Embiid for MVP. Dan, thank you so much for joining us. Are you down with TTP? Yeah, you know, lick face.
If you don't fuck with me, then I, then won't, I won't fuck, fuck with you. If you don't fuck with me, then I, then I won't fuck with you. With you. But if you fuck with me, I'm gonna fucking kill you! That's a friend.